Welcome, travelers. My name is Sparks Valentine. I am here with Erica Nerdyogi. Still not son. Taddy Hunt. And Foxfire. Hello. And welcome to the newest episode of Dyson Dish. Today we're going to talk about some new topics. So, Erica, roll the dice. Okay. That's mine. Oh, yeah, the tracks. I, I didn't want to go first. I'm you got them first today! <laughs> okay, so mine is about item and equipment tracking or management. So, oh, look, there's a kitty. Um, yeah, we have a visitor again. Our sweet say, little baby. Say hi, Shady. He's, he's uh, for the audio listeners, there is a adorable cat on the screen. Um, that's why you should check out our YouTube channel because uh, you can see the video of the cute little kitty. Yeah. Anyways, make sure you're there, like, subscribe, comment. So, item equipment tracking or management. This is something that a lot of people kind of do in different ways, and I think it depends on the player, and also it can depend on your campaign. The system and your dungeon master but it's something that i ran into a discussion at a local game store we were talking about rangers and arrows because i started playing a echo knight that dip, that splashed a little bit of ranger in there and our dungeon master was like well are you you know have you been keeping track of your arrows and i said yes i always do and everybody at the table was like what i never keep track and i was like well you know, I look at it as clerics have to keep track of their components for their spells. And depending on what, in 5th edition, depending on what type of wizard you play, you have to keep track of your ink and your parchment and the stuff for your spells. So I feel like rangers, you know, or even fighters who use bows or bolts or whatever it is, um, should have to keep track of their arrows or bolts. Because that way, it's the the fighter or ranger whatever class you're playing that uses the ranged equipment i'll say it that way is having to spend their gold to get more because the other classes are having to spend their gold to buy their components and manage their class and it kind of becomes uneven if you don't i feel like um even though arrows don't cost nearly as much as some of the spell components you're going to need like you know, to cast Hero Feast or something else. You know, you're going to spend a fortune in ink and parchment. So that's kind of what I was wondering. How do y'all manage your equipment and items? And when you run games or if you run games, how do you like your players to do it? Whoever wants to go first can. Well, for me... I, when I DM, first off, I usually don't do tracking. I just feel like it bogs down the game. So, typically for me, I will only make you keep track if it, if a spell specifically says it consumes the item. For example, Revivify requires a diamond worth, I want to say, 300 gold? Yes. Yeah, you would need to keep track of that. Because yeah. it's, it consumes the item. But for spell components, if if you read it, most of them say you can use an arcane focus, which most players will take an arcane focus 
over a component pouch for that very reason. In the clarified, that's what I was talking about. Like spells like Hero's Feast that use that consume something that has a gold, a gold worth with like a it. monetary yeah. value. Yes, monetary value. Yes, yes. That's what when I was talking about spellcasters, but I know that like wizards need ink and they need parchment for their yeah. books and stuff. So yeah, I agree with that. Keep going. Fox. Now Sorry. for certain things like you mentioned ink and parchment, then yeah, I expect you to at least periodically buy ink and parchment. But it's a paltry amount, really. As far as your arrows go, generally for me, when I DM, unless you're in an area that's extremely difficult, I'm not going to make you track your food, and I'm not going to make you track all, any of that, if it's reasonable. Now, you start trying to carry around a bunch of golems or something, then, then I might be like, no, 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 no. But, uh, in general, I don't make you track. I've played in games that did it both ways. And personally, I prefer not to track. Because, again, I just feel like it bogs down the game. So, if you're in, like, a desert, then I make you track food. And I'll make you track ammunition. But if you're regularly going to and from town, especially in the campaign I'm running now, where they have access to a guild that pretty much will equip them free of charge. So as long as they have access to a town, I assume that they're going, they're repairing their equipment, they're getting food, they're doing this, that, and the other. And I don't make them track. If you're in a hostile environment and you're away from town for a while, then you have to track and you have to specifically tell me you're eating, drinking, whatever. I don't prefer games that track personally, as far as what I've played. I mean, tracking arrows is fine. It's not that big a deal, because usually you buy way more than you need. But then there's times where you have to worry about food. Like, I played in a hardcore game for a while. I personally did not enjoy that style, just because you only got one HP when you slept. So we were constantly on the verge of death. It felt like we really couldn't do a whole lot. We had to track our arrows which I primarily, because of only getting one HP, was always in the back. So I was always running out of arrows. No magic. And you didn't get much gold, because you couldn't go out and adventure very much. So the income was not sufficient to sustain a lot of what we needed to do. And what we did typically spend it on was healing potions. As much as possible. So, that kind of is what made me not like tracking but what are your thoughts sparks i i can see both where tracking is going to be important and then it's like some of the things you can kind of not be as strict on i think if you're going to use standard arrows as a ranger you're always going to have those on hand those are the ones that are kind of a little bit more expendable. Like, I'm not going to be like, how many regular arrows do you have left? No. Now, if you get specially made arrows that are, like, special, like, they have, like, explosive properties, they have, like, a certain damage type that's on them, then, yeah, you, you're going to need to track those because those are specially yeah. made or they're special. With, yeah, like, now those are different. With, like, food, like, in rations... That's kind of one of those that's like a little iffy depending on what campaign or what setting you're in. I mean, if you're in like a typical like 
a fantasy world, you're pretty much gonna get what you need in terms of rations. And if not, then you can always go hunting for it. Like, you can go hunt for food. It's one of those you can give, like, a skill check or an ability check for that. But, like, obviously there are some things, like, for spell, like, spell components that are consumed, I do agree with. That is one thing that needs to be tracked because not everybody's going to have a 300 gold worth diamond on them at all times. Well, like, and when if... you're... Go ahead. Like, so, like, if you, when you just get to where you can get Revivify, it's, if you're in a town, it's hard to find somebody that has a 300 gold worth diamond. Like, so, even if you have a spell casting focus, you still need that. It doesn't matter. But, I mean, I think it all just depends on, like, what table you're at, how your DM is, do they want you to track it, do they not want you to track it. It's kind of something that you're going to have to talk about at the beginning of your game when you start out. Because it's one of those, do you want to be in more of a hardcore situation where you have to track every single little thing, or... Is this going to be the system that you're running? Is it very heavily reliant on item management or equipment tracking? Like, it's one of those. I think it depends. Yeah. Um, for, like, equipment, like, if stuff has charges, I feel like everybody should track that. Oh, That's oh 100%. Oh, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. There is, um, and I don't want to butcher this, so if I do, you know, please be lenient towards me. I haven't looked at, I have downloaded the PDF. It might already be out by the time this airs. I'm not 100% sure when it'll be out. I was listening to a podcast. Uh, it's called Roleplay Chat with Matt. He had on two game designers from Hit Point Press. They're making a RPG called Shift, where your skills or abilities are, are your... In, how do I say this? They are something that you have to track, right? So, like, they have key words assigned to them, like, like, flying, or, you know, and you'll roll a d4 for the first time that you, you fly, and then the next time that you want to use an ability, it's the same one, right? Then it goes to a d6, and then a d8, and a d10, and a d12. So, the, the idea behind it is, like, you're tracking how exhausted you're getting by using your skills with your die. And I thought that was really interesting um, way to, because it's called shift because you're shifting your dies, right, with your abilities. So, like, if you wear yourself out mentally, your die gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it makes it harder and harder for you to succeed. And it's like, okay, well, now I need to rely on something else. And you're kind of like... That's something I thought was interesting as instead of you, this doesn't seem like it's more focused on equipment and tracking. It, it adds in, how should I say this? They still have like equipment and tracking for items, but you're also kind of tracking your physical or mental exhaustion with your dice. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. And if I messed up on any of that, you know, like I said, I've downloaded the PDF. I haven't read it yet. That was just by what I understood by the way they discussed it on the podcast. But I was like, that sounds really interesting because, like, you know, there is, like, that shift in DCC where instead of advantage, you go die up, die down. 
for advantage and disadvantage kind of a thing. And I was like, well, that's a really interesting mechanic, like tracking by using dice and it, I thought it was kind of a unique thing to a system. That's all I have to say about that topic. Do y'all got anything else to throw in there? Yeah, I just wanted to add in the the reasoning why I feel like the spell component part is also important. It nerfs the spells. Most of them that that say it consumes the item are potent. Like Hero's Feast gives you a pretty big buff that lasts for an entire day. So it kind of needs a slight buff. Or those revival spells. Well, I'm not worried. As long as the cleric stays up, they can just cast Revivify all day long. Exactly, yeah. For sure. And I agree with, like, if you got a plus one arrow or plus two or whatever, a custom arrow, stuff like that, like, I think you should track all of it anyway. Um, But that's just me because I just feel like, uh, I don't know, uh, there's, to me, there's something about that I like that i like seeing it go down and then going and you know buying it and it goes back up and it just makes me feel like i'm more involved in the game i guess i mean it definitely is a more immersive way to play and if that's what you want if you want that type of survival then yes that way to play is amazing it it's a good experience to have but if that's not what you're into I had one more thing. Carry weight. That is one thing that I forgot to ask y'all about tracking. Now, I do as like, because a lot of people would just like, here's a bag of holding. Don't worry about carry weight. Do y'all do that? Or do you feel like carry weight is something that, you know, players should keep track of? I think it's within reason. Uh, again, like I said, if you're just wanting to carry around like a normal backpack's worth of things, Eh, it's not a big issue. If you're wanting to carry around 100 pieces of heavy armor, then it's an issue. Yeah, I feel like as me as a player, I've never, we've never worried about carryway unless it was with armor. Because we've always had a bag of holding. Mm-hmm. Like, that was one thing, like, we always had. So it's like one of those... We never really had to deal with it. And it's also, if you want to give your player something else to keep track of, it's also knowing your players. Are they going to actually keep track of this or are they not going to keep track of this? Because if you have 600 gold, that has carry weight. And that's a lot. So it's like... For the gold thing, I will say I had one DM that did, a. I thought it was a brilliant thing to negate the gold carry weight, he gave us an item that was basically a portable bank. We put the gold in it, and we just had to write down how much we wanted, stick it in there, and we were able to take it out without adding to our carry weight. A bag of holding. It wasn't a bag of holding. It wasn't a bag of holding. It was a chest. Yeah, it was specifically... It was a chest of holding. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much what it was. It's a P.O. box of holding. I said the same thing. (laughs) Is flavored different. <laughs> okay, look, I still thought it was a neat idea. No, that is really cool. Well, if cool, it's only though. for coin, then it does change. It does change what I mean. Like bag holding, you throw. I mean, yeah. well, I wouldn't say everything in there, but you know, it's specifically for coin, so it does make it a little different. Yeah, still a bag of holding. I like it because he was tracking carry weight. 
that was one of the few things yeah. he did track and so he did that and I thought that was really neat. I played in a game where I was a druid and I played a small race. I think she was a I think she wasn't a You a small race? I would never She was a she was a gnome, I know, right? Um small races are fun. Leave her alone. We didn't have a bag of holding and we got into like a treasure room, like one of those treasure rooms that you see in like the mummy where like the whole floor is littered with gold. And I was just like, oh, and one of the guys looked at me at the table. He was like, he was like, you're not going to be able to carry anything. I was like, shit, I am not going to be able to carry anything out of the room because gold weighs, you know, I mean, because I was a druid. I was like, well, I can't carry dick. So what we did was. I turned into like a bear. <laughs> so that way they could, like, I was like a little pack mule for them or whatever. And they loaded me up with, uh, with loot. Barkson is your, your topic. <sighs> okay. So my topic is character relationships. Not in like the platonic friendship relationship, but I was kind of thinking more of like romantic relationships. Also with like NPCs as well, anything kind of like that friendship can be, but my main focus and my thought was on like romantic relationships because yeah, we're not going to get too deep into that, but um, just like kind of like what your thoughts were on it. I think it's a fun way to add kind of like more to the table. It's like everybody, like you have the two people that are in the relationship and then you have the rest of us that are like, <laughs> like ooh and then like happy about it and we're like oh my gosh then new things come out and you're like oh but uh I just kind of want to get y'all's thoughts on it I am all for any relationship between characters and NPCs like in characters and NPCs I feel like it gives it a little bit more for that character to live for and a little bit more for that character to worry about going into a fight how it stands on their like mental status of a character so thoughts well would you like to go first or would you like me to go first erica i just want to point this out i just want to put this out there as the time of this recording in our home game erica and foxfire are in a relationship in our game (laughs) reginald and cat that's perfect Perfect. They just define their relationship. So. I, I rolled for it to see if, if I'd go first, you would. And I, I rolled that I go first. So I guess I'll go first. <laughs> so uh, I am weary of romantic relationships with people at table. Me as a person, um, as a married woman that is in a more traditional closed marriage. I sit at a table a lot of times with mostly men. Our home game that I'm in with Sparks and Foxfires, mostly females. Um, and so when I sit at tables, honestly, if I'm at a table with a group that is not our group, I don't do relationship. And I only do relationship with people at that table like Foxfire, or I don't think me and Sparks have ever done a relationship, but I would be comfortable doing one. I've never had a relationship in a game. 
And so that's my thing. Like, cause you, you never know um, if somebody's going to get to where it's like, it's not in the oh, game well, anymore. Yeah. There's a line, line, right? It's like, I just don't want anyone to be like, Oh, well you're flirting with me. And it's like, yeah. no I'm flirting with your character. And so that's something like I trust Fox and Sparks to know that I'm not flirting with them. We're really good friends. I don't have to worry about that. I trust them. And I know they respect my boundary and I respect theirs. But when I sit at other tables with people I don't really know and I'm playing with them for the first time, no. And I might do like something if I'm comfortable with the DM with an NPC and it's like, oh, well, you know, it. we go into my room fade to black and it's like a one night thing with a fleeing NPC, whatever you're in town and go back to the dungeon that I'm fine with, but trying to make it to where we have an ongoing relationship or dating and stuff. No, um, I don't like it when DMs try to like force you to, you fail a role and your character is now infatuated with another character. No, they're not. Sorry. It's not happening. We can feel a really good like kingship and camaraderie, but not romantic love. No, not happening for me unless I trust the person. So for me, it comes down to like, and when I'm at the table, if I'm comfortable with the people and if I trust them, will I engage in that kind of behavior? Yes. But if I don't, then no. Um, yeah. I and think, and then, that's kind of how I feel about it. And I think it also comes a lot down to boundaries. Yes. Like if it's like, we all know each other pretty well. So it's one of those, like, if our characters end up having, like, a relationship, then, like, we know when, we know how our boundaries are. Yeah. And we know it just, it's know it's at the table and nothing more. And then we laugh about it. (laughs) Like, it's one of those, like, yeah, it depends on who you're at at the table. Yeah, the boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I've been enjoying Reginald, which is my character, and, and... Fox's character's romantic relationship so far. It's I think it's been a lot of fun. Um, and it does, like, in combat, I do think about, like, is she okay? Where can I put myself to keep her from getting hit and harmed and things like that? Like, she is his first priority in combat to protect. And we recently did a battle where... Um, my character is not the brightest in the book where he believed that the NPC, that the monster that we were fighting was still her mother, even though her mother had kind of gone and her body had been mutated and taken over by a monster. He didn't want to attack the mom because he didn't want to hurt. He didn't want to hurt her. He didn't want to hurt the relationship down the road he might have with maybe his mother-in-law, maybe not. And it's like, you killed my mother. And of course, I'm the one who lands the killing blow. And I end up killing her. And it's like, oh, I didn't want to do this. I just wanted to talk it out. We could have just got along. But no, it's not what happened. So. And ironically, her hitting Reginald was what made Kat start the actual fight. Yep. Because so, it goes Reginald both was ways. Like, yep. Yeah. I was ready in this fight. I was ready. I was yeah, every- prepared. Everybody in the fight was waiting for the fight to start because they were waiting for Cat 
to either say, okay, we're fighting her, or for her to actually get through. And it took the woman hitting Reginald for Kat to be like, nope, fireball. Oh, no, she hit you, and then I was ready. Yeah, but I'm just I was saying, for the, actual, for the actual trueness, true-to-goodness combat to start, that's what it took. Oh. Everybody was waiting on Kat to attack. Yeah, I will yeah. say, the mindset of my character in that moment was... It's going to be a fight if if my character had not cared and was new, probably the fight would have started then. But it's one of those, like, the relationship that she had built with everybody. Like, she likes everybody. Kat is smart. She's smart with my character. So, like, they have that connection. So it was one of those, like, I'm going to respect you at this moment, but if... Cat were not there. No, it would have been. I would have. I would have attacked because they were being surrounded. We were so. So, this is something that, like, I don't. This it it pertains to the this topic, but it kind of takes a little left turn. I'm gonna take the left turn here, y'all. Just hold on. I'm I'm coming back to. Oh. So, here we go. (laughs) So. Um, safety tools. I know how people feel about a lot of people feel about safety tools. There's a lot of people out there who love them. There's a lot of people out there who absolutely hate them. And they some I have said at a table once at a con when the the judge started talking about safety rules. This man he looked at him. He goes, "We don't do none of that no flake bullshit in my game." <laughs> And I about fell out of the chair because I wanted to laugh so hard when he said it. Um, and it, that was just his opinion, right? Everybody has different feelings about safety tools. So if you're not familiar with safety tools, like you have like your green, your yellow, your red, and you kind of like go over them with your DM. Um, and you say, hey, you know, I'm feeling kind of yellow. I'm uncomfortable, you know, maybe back off a little bit or like red, completely stop or, in, you know, green, I'm good to keep going. Um, and I do think safety tools are valid. Um, and we don't use them with our group because we've been playing together for five or six years. But that is something that I could see character relationships if it's gonna happen in your group and you're not really familiar with one another like we are i think if you don't use safety tools then that should probably be something you address you should yeah um, yeah out like once the session is kind of over one-on-one be like hey you know the two of y'all seem like y'all might be developing a, re- a relationship at the table i want to make sure everybody's comfortable before anything advances and i do think that that is important um, because like I have sat at a table where the DM kept trying to push a relationship on me that I wasn't comfortable with. And I just wanted it to be like a one-time thing because everybody has like a, it's like, I've never done the sexy timing game. So I just wanted to do it one time because I just wanted to check it off the list. And then it, he took it as like, she wants a relationship. And I was like, no, that's not what she wants. She just checking off the list. And I was just like. No, it's not what happened. It's not. And I just kept putting up like a no, no, no. Um, so I think that's just something that if you're running a table or something that starts to happen and you're kind of new to one another, 
I would recommend that if you don't like safety tools, then, you just, then I guess keep on rolling with it. Back to what y'all think about character relationships and I'll be quiet. Yeah, it's on the Fox now. <laughs> so I've had a few times where I've had character relationships because fortunately I've played with people that I was already, that I either got very comfortable with over the years, like Erica and Sparks, or that I was already friends with. And so it was already comfortable because we'd already made the worst possible jokes there were. So that was the next logical thing to just have relationships in game for no reason. And I'm like both of them. I don't like it to be forced. I want my character to be willing in every aspect of the situation. So I've been fortunate that that's never been a thing. And I am apologizing. I'm being assaulted by two cats. So you're going to see two cattails. <laughs> um, but I've been fortunate that it's never been forced upon me. It's always been willing. And... Uh, the first time went full on. They ended up married by the end of the session. It was with an NPC. They ended up having kids. There was sexy time. This was a very close group. So we even had a sexy time competition during one of our you're rolling, uh, you're, sessions. You're doing that ERP. We Herbs. didn't go into details with it. We literally just, it, it was, we were all camping together. Sounds could be heard. Roles were made for the hell of it. That's the bard hilarious. one. Of course. You got that performance <laughs> role, man. But, uh, you know, I've, I've encountered stuff like that. But there again, if I was at a table of randos, no. No, no. No. Period. And even... I apologize for informing y'all of this. I've really only just gotten comfortable enough to have a relationship in game with either of you. It takes me a while to get comfortable. Bitch, we've been and, playing together for five years. And it's part of my first relationship in a game. <laughs> and it, it, well, it's it's mostly just because I'm not sure where my limit is for a while. I'm not sure where that boundary is. With y'all, I've I've learned where my boundary is, and I'm good with it. What boundary? <laughs> we talk about everything under the sun at our table. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know I can push it a little bit further yeah. than a random person. Just like with that other group, I know that I have a very extensive boundary. Yeah. But I also know with either group that if I start getting uncomfortable with the situation, like if I feel like it's going too far, because I have a boyfriend myself and we're monogamous. So if I feel like it's getting to a, a point where it's uncomfortable, then it's then I know I can say, no, we got to stop. Yeah. And like, it's one of those, like, if you are comfortable with the people at your table, then it kind of, I guess it's a little bit easier to maybe have that, like, open that up and, like, you're open to the possibility of it. But it's also, I could see that, though. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like Erica was saying, anytime you have a relationship in-game, especially if you aren't familiar with the people, 
people don't always take what happens at the table as happening to their character. Yeah. I have witnessed it where events happened and people got offended themselves. The, the actual person got offended or they got upset because they felt like a situation was directed at them. Yeah. And it was not. It was 100% not. It was genuinely an interaction between the characters. And so I can definitely see that situation happening when you're in-game flirting. Because all it takes is for somebody to take something the wrong way, and then all of a sudden you're the bad guy. I do want to throw out there, I tried to do one in-game relationship, and the person that was playing that character liked older women. And I got Sad fucked. Day. <laughs> I got fucked Sad over. Day. Sad day. Maybe next time, Sparks. Nah, nah. I don't know. I've, I mean, I've never really... This, right, I felt comfortable doing it with Spark. Or, I'm sorry, it was uh, Fox. And so... And it was something that... I feel like my character, out of everybody that is in our group, it made sense to me for Reginald to feel close to her because... My character, before she died, there was a little something between her and Reginald. They had, like, the activity. Like, they're, like... No, I w- no because, well, I mean, no, it was... No, very... at, he flirted with I everybody. Think, yeah, that's true. Reggie flirted with everybody but, at first. But my yeah, character... Odin, for goodness sake. My, he, yeah. he did. He misread that situation. <laughs> he did very much. But, like, my character kind of gave it back as she was like, oh, it's somebody that's athletic, somebody that would probably be a good fit for her, but then it was kind of like, eh. It I, was fun. He, so he, he doesn't really have a sense of home. Um, he's not where he, he's from. He thinks he's from the Feywild, but now he doesn't know where he's from. And he knows that she's from here and she has, she has a home and it's something that he sees and he's almost kind of like envious of. Like, this is her home, even though it was destroyed and he feels bad for her. Because of that. So she kind of knows what it's like to have a home and to lose it. And then she's trying to save it. And I think that draws him to her because he's trying, he thought about trying to go back home. And now he doesn't think that that's where he's truly from. He thinks he's actually from Dragonheim. And it turns out, I think we believe that's where he's from. And so all this time he's, she's been fighting to save his home. He just didn't know it. Oh, very cute. And then I'm a that bitch in the game now. <laughs> and, and we just hold hands. It's very I wholesome, and that's it's very like wholesome. It. Like it is. we we hold hands and like they hug and then they just kiss and it's just it's very wholesome. Like and to me, like you know, and there's nothing wrong with like if you feel comfortable role playing to the extent that that Fox feels comfortable in that one situation you were describing. I don't think I would be comfortable with I it mean, going that far. Let me, but I don't let, know. <laughs> let me just uh, put some clarification. At the time of that happening, I was in a relationship with one of the parties. So okay, see, the one time my husband was playing in the campaign, very when I first started playing DD, I tried to romance him, but he wouldn't give my character a second glance because she was a dwarf 
and she had a beard and he did not think she was attractive and i was like she can shave it and then she he was like no <laughs> so i tried well, does anybody have anything else to say on character relationships all right, so uh, I decided to possibly hit a little bit heavy and a little touchy this time. The benefits of tabletop gaming on mental health. So this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart as somebody who was, is dealing with bipolar disorder. And so I, that's one reason I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to let people know, first off, if you are dealing with mental health issues, it's okay. You are, it's, it's okay to need help. Don't be afraid to go and seek it, first off. But also, I wanted to talk about it because D&D &D and tabletop gaming is one thing that's helped me through some of my worst times. Like being able to say, oh, I get to go and not have to think about everything going wrong in my life for a couple hours it's the best thing ever just that rush of serotonin and being able to escape everything even for a couple hours i leave the session i feel like a different person pun not intended because i was just playing a different person also the sense of camaraderie you're meeting up especially if you've been playing with people for a long time like i have with erica sparks and the rest of our group you're going and you're seeing friends. You're feeling that sense of community. It makes you feel not alone. And that's, to me, one of the biggest parts of my mental illness is that I just feel alone a lot. Like, not trying to get too deep or anything of that nature. Just saying that's something that happens and going and being around people helps. Do you two have thoughts? I feel like it can be both. It could be a really good thing. It can also be a not so great thing as well. But the main, like, benefit that I can see is, you know, having that sense of friendship, like you said. Like, if you've played with these people, if you play with people for a while, they become, like, a second family. And it's one of those, like, you have, you know you have them to talk to if you need to talk about something or if you need to... If you want to do something and you're alone and you're like, oh, well, maybe I can see if one of the, like, one of my, like, tabletop buddies is free and maybe we can go out and do something. Um, and just that in it in of itself is amazing. That sense of, like, you can meet new people and become great friends, become, like, family. And then you can also, if you're in a rut, it can definitely help times whenever you're don't want to be yourself for a little while you can go be somebody else for two or three hours a week or every other week i feel like it's very much a it's a very sensitive topic because a lot of what goes on in our world people don't like to talk about the dark things and definitely mental health is one of them but I feel like tabletop gaming, it has, it has benefits and it also it has downsides to it. But I 100% believe, like, tabletop games, they're great to try to help. It gets your mind working, your brain working. 
the creativity kind of social, you get your social interaction out of it. Um, before I go, I'm just kind of curious, Sparks, you, you touched on the positive. You mentioned that you feel like there can be negative. Do you mind expanding on what you feel like could be negative for it? I'm so, curious on that too. The negatives that yeah. I can see I mean, see if you don't it, want to, you don't have to. No, no, it's fine. Um, I feel like some of the negatives, it can kind of bring you down a little bit, depending on like what game you're in, like where you're at. I mean, I've had a couple of times where I've been in a game and it was just like mental health. Just after the session, I was just like, oh my gosh, I just feel like shit after that. I don't, I felt like I was awful. I, you kind of get in your head a little bit, especially for myself. I'm very much in, like in my characters. I love like when I make them, are you good? Just gotta fly. Yeah, it's a bug. Right, <laughs> no, you're gonna keep going. Um, like if I, and it probably doesn't seem like it. I mean, I love my characters, but I'm also the first one. Like if somebody has to die, I'm like, sure, it's just a character. I can always make another one. But I feel like there's sometimes I can get too much into that character, and then if something bad happens, I kind of take it with me. Um. So, like, I mean, I said the social interaction thing, it can also be a negative as well, depending on who you're with. If there's that one person at the table that can kind of just bring it all down, that's something. I don't know. I feel like disassociating as well could be really bad from it. But those are also some things that could be good too. Like, I don't want to say it's bad, but there are things that can bring bring it down and make it worse for your mental health. But I think depending on what group you're in and who you're with is kind of the factor that makes it to where if it's either you get benefits from it or if you get negatives from it. I worked in mental health for 10 years as a social worker. I started off doing case management. I did like six months interning as a social worker in a psychiatric hospital. And then I used to do mobile crisis where I assess people for inpatient psychiatric care. So mental health was something that was, um, I was, I mean, there is a big stigma to mental health, but at the end of the day, like, I have anxiety, I have depression, I have ADHD, I've got, I'm dyslexic, um, and so, like, and I worked in mental health, and it was like, you know, Good luck meeting someone that doesn't have some mental health issues. Like, let's be honest, we all have something going on, even though people want to act like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, that's for people who are weak-minded or weak-willed. And it's like, no, it's not. It's all of us. Um, and that's my opinion. I think that um, for me, I had major social anxiety and it started as a probably middle schooler high schooler um i did not want to speak in front of the classroom i didn't want to read in front of the classroom because i was dyslexic people made fun of me for the way i read and so i didn't really like talking in front of a big group of people and then i started playing ttrpgs and i played with my friends and so i felt comfortable sitting at a table and stepping into like, I guess you call that like spotlight for your character, right? 
and the anxiety is still there. Like when I sit down behind the screen and I run for people, depending on, especially at cons, like I am a ball of anxiety. Um, but then it slowly gets, it goes down once I get comfortable with people. So that is one way that it does negatively <laughs> impact my mental health is it makes me anxious to sit at table. It doesn't make me anxious to sit at table with y'all, but it does make me anxious to run table for people I'm not comfortable with. But it is something that I push through because I love this hobby. So, um, and also like y'all had talked about, you know, escapism is a great coping mechanism. It can be. If you take it too far, it can negatively affect your life. Um, and I love escapism as a coping mechanism. So I play video games, so I do this. Um, you know, my dad died a year ago from cancer. You know, having the painting the miniatures and writing and running and just having a creative outlet to focus on when things got hard. I told myself not to cry, but I'm crying. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. So, but this is me being open and honest. Um, I can see it going both ways, but like, I agree with what Fox said. Like, you're not alone. Everybody has some mental health they're dealing with, whether you're aware of it or not. So if you need help, get help. Find people who will love and lift you up because they're out there. They are. Yeah. And to expand on that, you're not weak if you need medication. You're not no. weak if you need to talk to a therapist or a psychiatrist. You are not weak for trying to better yourself. Because no. sometimes you need those things. And no, you're strong because you admit that you got stuff going on. Yeah. A lot of people want to hide it. It yeah. it takes a lot to to admit, hey, I'm struggling. Yeah slightly off topic but as as an example i resisted getting on any type of medication or talking to anybody for years uh one night uh that i almost did something that i would have regretted today and i wouldn't have been here fortunately i had a guardian angel watching over me and stopped me from doing it but it was then I went and I got on medications and I've been talking to therapists and I have gotten so much better and I regret not doing it sooner. So if any of you listeners are experiencing any of the similar things, I encourage you, I think we all do, go and get help because you are not weak to do so. It is the bravest thing you can do to admit that you feel like there's something going on and it is the hardest but most rewarding thing to say you want to get better and to actually do it. I feel like that's one thing, like, the topic was very heavy, but it's also, it's one of those, like... After school specials? Oh, it may not go, yeah. it may not go to a lot of people, but the people that it goes to, if it can definitely help, like, yeah. please, like, I mean, they're just from where I'm from, there have been a couple of people that have... They're not here today because of decisions they made. People that we I grew up with and graduated school with, they're not here today. 
because where I'm from, it's you don't go get help. Nothing's wrong with you. Hide it away. So as what Fox said, if you need, if you do, please like reach out to somebody. Anybody. Yeah, I was hoping that this topic would be last. And it ended up being last with the dice rolls. So we had Fade at our side because I was like, man, I really don't want to talk about this first. I was <laughs> thinking the exact same thing and was so grateful uh, that the dice gods decided to be benevolent tonight. Yeah. yeah, and that's one of the things that I kept hearing when I worked in mental health is people saying, oh, I've been told, you know, it's because I'm, I have you know, I'm weak and it's like, no, that's, that's just bullshit. People say like, don't, don't believe that. Um, you know, and I know that game, like I lost a friend who I was, I think, let's see, five or six years after I started playing, um, he died when he was 28 and he played game he was in another one of my games he was i still have his miniature in his character sheet because he was one of me and my husband's friends from high school and you know going to game was something that i kind of did and like for a little while after he passed i didn't go because i didn't want to leave my husband alone because he was his best friend and then once i felt like he was good then i started going back uh so I have taken a hiatus from game from the mental health of my significant other because he needed me there. I think that is the end of all of our topics, correct? <laughs> it's, I believe so. It is. Uh, it's really sad to me to go out. <laughs> well, don't worry. The outro is going to be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dice and Dish. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed uh, and didn't cry too much, hopefully. But um, sorry about that. No, <laughs> I ain't talking about you. <laughs> but um, please uh, make sure to follow our podcast on major podcasting networks, and also go to our YouTube channel to watch um, this video live. I don't want to say it's live because it's not, but. Um, but definitely hop over there, give us a subscribe, comment, uh, let us know any topics you want us to talk about that we haven't talked about before, and maybe they'll make it into the show. With that, uh, we're signing off. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye, y'all. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Dyson Dish. I really hope that you enjoyed it and that you had fun. Uh, make sure to uh, like, comment, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And make sure that you subscribe if you're on like Spotify or Apple Music, or not Apple Music, Apple Podcast. Um, we would really appreciate it. Uh, our next episode is going to be out in two weeks on November 3rd. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. So thank you so much. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. Bye.